As is characteristic with Mark's gospel, he is short to the point. We have most of the time short little sections uh, where Mark kind of gives us just quick summaries. And that's what we have in this, this next text. If you were to look at Matthew's account of this, it goes for like a whole column in, in the Bible, a column and a half. He gives a lot of comments. Jesus gave a lot of teaching about this. Mark has a quick summary. So we'll try to stay with that and, and look at the main point of what Jesus was emphasizing here as he gives a criticism of the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious priests of Israel who were, who were departing from the truth and from the faith that they were supposed to be leading. And Jesus uh, laments that and states of how this is the greatest condemnation that God would give, well, God will give in His judgment of those who betray from within. Verse 38, Then He said to them in His teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now Jesus speaks following His previous statements about His kingdom. We looked at that last week and just the great statements there and the great reality of Christ's kingdom. The kingdom of God is the great reality of life. It is, to be, it is the greatest thing that, that we can think about and it is what is going to come in the future. And it is just a wonderful, wonderful promise from God. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to remove all evil and He's going to rule in righteousness and how we need that to happen. What a great thing to look forward to. And he speaks about that kingdom. And he's the king of that kingdom as the son of David and the son of God. And then he then gives this comment. And it, he's pushing back against the scribes and the Pharisees who had just previously three times tried to challenge him you know, with their, own, with their questions and tried to get him uh, to say something they could use against him. And so now after he successfully answers all their attacks, then he makes some comments about them. Very sobering words about the betrayal of their situation. Of these leaders of Israel, these priests who were supposed to lead in God's Word, were actually working for the enemy. And Jesus said, this is what we receive the greater condemnation. And so he makes a point about weakness from within. The ones who ought to be believers, the one who profess even to be believers, who profess to be leaders in God's work. And that's who the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees were at this time in God's work through Israel. But yet they now were betraying God's Word, betraying the faith. And Jesus brings out this betrayal and this weakness from within and how damaging it was and how 
greatly it'll be judged by God. It's the issue of what the New Testament calls false teachers, false prophets. Those who profess to be leaders for God and His Word, and yet they are betraying the faith. Weakness from within is what I thought about how we can look at this. And, and this, is the, this is just totally damaging and, and, and is one of the worst things. Weakness from within, as we picture it in the sense of a battle, on a battlefield. And you have two sides, two armies, and they are opposed to each other. And one side knows who the enemy is. It's the army over there. There's a battle line and everyone over there is the enemy and everyone on this side is your teammate, is your fellow soldier and you depend on them and you work together as a team to fight and that opposing army may be stronger than you and that's a problem but you know who the enemy is and you work to try to defeat that that enemy And you know they're the enemy, and you know they're doing what they are. They're the enemy. They're opposed to you for whatever reason, and they're the opposition. And you know what then they're going to do. They're going to fire at you. They're going to try to oppose you because that's where they're at. That's the side they're on. But what about within your own ranks, within your team? To have someone betray their own side, to become a traitor, And to work to sabotage the effort of the fight within. There's nothing that gets lower than that. I mean, even within our own human system, a traitor is treated with the utmost severity. The traitors in most, I don't know if it's done today. Well, I I think it is still in the books that betrayal of your own army and if it results in the death of fellow soldiers you're given the death penalty but in ancient and the historical wars traitors were shot there was no sympathy for traitors one of the worst characters there is in history today is benedict arnold and the tragedy of his situation betray his own country to betray from within is is terribly damaging and it is the lowest of low. And Jesus was speaking of that here. He was speaking of betrayal from within, weakness from within. The ones who were supposed to be on His side, who were supposed to be leading the charge, they were working for the enemy. And Jesus gave the warning. And He said, beware, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He says, and in Matthew, in the extended text of it, He called them hypocrites over and over. Hypocrite. They're hypocrites. They say one thing and they do another. You can't trust them. They're actually working for Satan. In fact, when Jesus confronted them at one point, they confronted him and he was dialoguing with them and they tried to say, well, you're your father, the devil. And Jesus said, no, the fact is your father is the devil. You're working for Satan, not God. And that was the reality. They were religious leaders and let that, yet they were working for Satan because they had departed from God's word and God's ways and God's will. And Jesus said, beware. as his first word in verse 48, 38. Beware of this. Beware of the scribes. They are 
hypocrites. They're traitors. They are enemies. And it's because they left God's Word, because all the Old Testament was all building up to the coming of Christ, the Messiah coming to save His people, which was Israel. He was born into Israel to save Israel, and then that salvation was going to be then shared with the rest of the Gentiles in God's mercy. But it was for Israel, and in Israel, first and foremost, they were His people. He had raised up the only nation that God is directly, well, I have to take that back. God's directly responsible for everybody. But God supernaturally created the nation of Israel through His work through Abraham. And giving them Isaac beyond the age of childbearing. And He created the nation of Israel. And He said, this is the one nation I have chosen and made. And, and I'm going to bring my salvation through it. And, and salvation was going to be presented first to Israel. And it was all to culminate in the coming of Christ. And there he was standing in front of them and they were posing him and rejecting him. The leaders who were the scribes and teachers of the law and the word of God that prophesied the coming of Christ and his salvation, they were the ones who were rejecting it. They were betraying from within. And this was a tragic thing. And Jesus said, beware of them. He describes them as hypocrites, that word literally meant to be two-faced and, and this was literally done in the ancient world when they would do plays, a lot of times they would be another character by putting a mask on, holding a mask or putting a mask on and that would make them to be like another character. And that was the word that was used for a hypocrite, a two-faced person. A person that's wearing an outward mask that says one thing, but on the, on the, on the, about below the mask, they're really something else and somebody else. And Jesus said, that's who the scribes are. They're doing something on the outside that's a mask, it's a fake, false thing, and on the inside, there's something totally different. And so, and he said, they try to do things on the outside to make a good show and impress people. He said, they desire to go around in long robes. He said they try to appear a certain way in their dress to look holy. Uh, there were priestly robes that were worn that God told them to do to express His holiness and, and His kingdom. And they took that and misused it. And, and they tried to put on that show of those robes. And yet inside their heart was very far away from God's holiness. He said they loved greetings in the marketplaces. They tried to just give an outward uh, show to people and be loving and friendly. And yet, he says there later, verse 40, they devour widows' houses. So here they're in the marketplace said, uh, trying to be all nice and friendly and look like they love people. And then they'd go back to the to temple and they'd plot how they can take a house away from a widow. Jesus said they were snakes. They were vipers. They were hypocrites. They were two-faced. They loved the best seats in the synagogues. In the, in the synagogues, there was a, I read there was a platform that the law would be on and, and there would be a reader and the leader of prayer and they would be up on the platform. And, uh, but then there would be seats down front 
that faced the crowd and that was the place of honor and the, uh, the, the most revered people in attendance, and would, which if a scribe or a priest showed up, they would be given these best seats to sit up front where they could be seen. And Jesus said they, they love to get those best seats. They love to be seen by men. They're just putting on a show to get the praise of men. And he said the best places at feasts, there will be a similar thing. Well, we can under, we relate to that also. At a banquet, you have places of honor. You have a head table where the uh, special guests sit. And uh, Jesus said they loved, they, they clamored for the best seats just to promote themselves. But they weren't being true to God and His Word. They were two-faced. They would devour widows' houses, lowest of the low, helpless widow being taken advantage of, and for pretense, make long prayers. Jesus referred to that in the Sermon on the Mount, of them praying vain repetitions just to, just to appear like they were very religious and very holy. And Jesus does not condemn praying and the other valid things, but He condemns their hypocrisy. Their two-facedness. And that they were not sincere in being true in following God. They professed to be followers and leaders for God, and yet they were working for the enemy. In the New Testament, this is a, a very prominent subject in the writing of Paul and Peter and John. And they write about false teachers false prophets. And they say, be on guard of false teachers who say one thing and yet do another. And they, they appear like they are real preachers and they are try, that they are working for, for, for Jesus. He said, but they say, yet they are denying the Lord and they are working against the Lord. They're false teachers. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. And they're bringing harm. Much in the New Testament talks about the false teachers. And this is a thing we need, to, we need to heed what Jesus says. He says, beware of this. Let me read to you the words of, of Jude. He says, He said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jude and Peter says the same thing. Peter says to be, aware, be on guard against false teachers and don't help them. John says don't have them into your house to send them on in their journey. Don't help them in their in their uh, false teaching. This was a, a, a big problem in the New Testament time. And it's only gotten worse today. Satan began this early on. And you say, well, how can this be? This, is, this, is a long, this is, has a long history. For Think back to the battlefield scenario. And again, you know the enemy. They're going to do what they're going to do. That's their position. And you're going to be on guard about that and try to stand against that. But... What can be very damaging is to have betrayal from within. That's something you don't look for. 
and you don't know it's happening, it can be very damaging and very hurtful when the enemy is within. And this is how Satan has worked. He knows how effective it is. He knows how damaging it is. And he has worked this way from the beginning. And so we've got to beware of both of these. There's the opposition. That's the unbelievers. That's the unbelieving world who's going to, they're going to oppose God's servants, God's people. They're the ones who are trying to get this bill passed for homosexual marriage that it can't be discriminated against and that that people can be sued who do that. They're the unbelievers. They're trying to persecute true believers and that's their goal and that's what they will do. They're already doing that. They're going to do it more if this bill passes. That's the enemy on the outside. But what is really tragic, and it's happening, and I'm afraid it's going to happen more, is about betrayal from within. It's those who profess to be believers. Those profess to be even Christian leaders, pastors, who will begin to cave and begin to help the other side. Those are the traitors. Those are the false teachers. And Jesus and the New Testament tells us to look out for those and have nothing to do with them and to remove them from your midst if they're in your church. Earnestly contend for the faith is what we're told. And this is a great need we have today. I think we're seeing this happen and the two prominent issues, the two very serious issues in our world today and in our country, the moral issues of abortion and homosexuality, those are the two damaging areas that destroy a culture and life. And it's the, those two things is, is what will destroy a nation and is when God brings judgment on a nation. And our future literally hangs in the balance of what we do in these two issues. And we're not doing very well. We're really not doing very well. Because even with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it was a very weak decision. It was a very compromised decision. They could have said this is unconstitutional in our land. And they should have. They're the Supreme Court. They should have ruled on this. Is this taking of life? Then it shouldn't happen in the United States of America. You can't be a part of our union if you're going to do this. That's what they should have ruled. And they had every every authority to do it because the Constitution says that the basic right of a human being is a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It's in the Constitution. The Supreme Court could have ruled on that, even on a federal level, because it's in the federal Constitution. Life. They should have done that, but they compromised. They took the easier road of saying, well, we're just going to knock that down and let everybody have their own choice. They kind of threw it off on the states and refused to take a stand themselves. The result of that has been, to this date, only 13 states out of 50 have put in laws to say no abortions at all in our state. 13. That's not very good. That's not good. That's not a majority. If we even have one state that does this and we allow it, we are under judgment. When when Israel went into Jericho and God said, don't take any of the spoils for God. One man did. One tribe did. And God judged the whole nation. God defeated them. 
Then at Ai, judge them all. And he, and he told, God told Joshua, you've got to deal with the sin in your midst, or I'm going to judge the whole nation. If we have one state that legalizes abortion, that's unacceptable. But we only, we've only got 13 who took a stand, and even then, most of them will say, well, we do allow exception for rape, incest, and a life of the mother, and they're going to drive a bus through that. They'll say, well, this harms her, her life. That's what they've done in, in the historic past, depending on how a state allows that to, they can, they can misuse that language even there. But only 13. Only 13. There's a lot more conservative states than that. You know what they've done? Do you know what a lot of conservative Republican states have done? They pass laws that say no abortions after 15 weeks. No abortions after a heartbeat. And so they allow babies to be killed up till then. That's not pro-life. If you got 10 people and, and you say, well, I'm only going to kill two of them. I'm going to let eight live. So I'm pro-life. I've let more live than I killed. Do we judge that that way? No. What is the law? All you have to do is kill one person. You're a murderer. It only takes one. No person could go before a judge and say, well, judge, I could have killed eight people. I only killed one. Aren't you going to let me off? I really am pro-life. He can say, you kill one, you're guilty. But yet, these states, these so-called pro-life states, are thinking that they're pro-life when they say, oh, we're going to kill babies up to 15 weeks, but after that, well, we're going to take a stand on this thing. You can't kill them after 15 weeks. Well, what if the ones under 15 weeks? They killed them, and they sanctioned it. They're murderers. They're sanctioning abortion. What about heartbeat? Heartbeat detected around, I think, eight weeks or so. Everything underneath, they're killing them. And, the, and I hear them on the radio, and the, the Christian stations, and it just makes me sick. And they, kind of, they claim that they're pro-life. We got a heartbeat bill. We're pro-life. And this is what really bothered me in the past, and I would never accept it. And, and I, it just horrifies me where even that this is the reality is that when they did this incremental approach, and they'd say, well, let's outlaw it. First, they would do the 20-week bill. And they'd say, well, we got to take this in steps. We can't just go all the way. Why not? you got a Supreme Court conservative. Why not? Why slow walk this? But we got to slow walk it. we got to do 20 weeks. And when we get 20 weeks, then we're going to go down to 15 weeks. And then when we got 15 weeks, we're going to go out in a heartbeat. But do you notice? Most of them stopped there. Most of them continued to hold on to support abortion before the heartbeat. And that was my concern and my fear to say, you know, one, I don't agree we should deal with it this way incrementally because it's murder. You can't, you can't slow walk that. That's a life and death issue. But you say, they say, but, oh, uh, but we want to get down to the conception. We're going to outlaw all abortions eventually. We just got to take it one step at a time. They were lying. They lied through their teeth. Because now when they have the ability to outlaw it totally, they're doing 15 weeks, heartbeat, 16 weeks. That's what Florida did. Florida's got a 15-week bill. Conservative Florida. They elected Ron DeSantis, who signed the bill, who says he's pro-life. And other states, you know, several states who are conservative, have a conservative majority, have 15-week heartbeat bills. And they allow abortions in their state. We're not doing good on the abortion issue. And God is watching. 
when we have the opportunity to stop all abortions in the state and they're looking at Christians are looking at that and saying, no, we're not going to. We'll let them kill them up to eight weeks. We'll let them do that. God's not accepting that. And now with the homosexual issue, here we are. We've, the conservative court gave the Obergefell decision and then sanctioned other homosexual decisions. And now uh, all these Republicans went along with the bills to, to, were on the verge of making this in the, in the law. Betrayal from within is what we are witnessing. Betrayal from within. And Jesus said this will receive the greater condemnation. But, and that's rightfully so. You know, to betray your own side is, is a grievous sin. The opposition are doing what they are, are doing. I, you know, they're wrong being over there, but th that's what they are. But within, they know better. Jesus said this will receive the greater condemnation. I believe what Jesus is saying there is they're the unbelievers, and they're going to be judged. But Jesus is saying God's going to judge harsher the ones who are within, who knew the truth, and they are betraying the truth. They're going to receive the greater condemnation. I think that's why Paul says, and Timothy says, judgment must begin at the house of God. God's judgment begins first with His people who should know the truth, who know better. And when they betray God looks on that very harshly. And so Jesus was here talking about the scribes and the Pharisees back there in ancient Israel. We've got the same situation going on today. Betrayal from within. Weakness from within. And with this, if this uh, bill goes through here in the next week or two, I think we're going to see a whole lot more of people who will do whatever. Christians who will sadly do whatever to protect themselves and betray the truth when they have the decision to make. Because it, when that happens, it comes down to they love their money more than they love God. And they love themselves more than they love the truth. And they just want to protect themselves. It's already beginning to happen. And, there, and there's many within professing churches and professing pastors who used to be conservative and they're saying crazy things like we don't need to look at the old testament anymore we don't even look at the new testament anymore we don't have to look we shouldn't look at any kind of standards of right and wrong we should just focus on the resurrection of jesus that's that's what's being preached today by some conservative guys who know better and i believe the, the reason they're doing it is so that they can try to run and hide away from these issues standing for the truth against abortion, against homosexuality, but they don't want to pay the price. They are betraying their faith. And Jesus says, beware of those guys. Beware of them. And we need to look at what they are doing, and we need to uh, deal with them as Jesus says. And then to know God will give the greater condemnation to these who betray from within. Now, it's also a warning for us. He's speaking this to His own disciples. And the warning is, stand strong in the midst of persecution. Stand strong in the faith. No matter what pressure comes against us, it is better to stand with God and Jesus and His kingdom and be persecuted. In fact, Jesus 
says in Matthew 6, he says that we are blessed when that happens. He says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for your great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it on under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus told us that we're the light of the world. Jesus who said himself, I am the light of the world. He's the light that came in the world and he was the first, he was the pure one that came in. But now that he saved us, he says, now I send you out to be lights out in the world. You're the light of the world. And especially now Jesus has gone back to heaven. He says, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You are to shine. We are to shine his light, his truth. And when we do, Jesus says, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be opposed. We're going to be attacked. And there's going to be suffering. But Jesus says, be strong in that suffering. Be strong and, and keep your eyes on the big picture, the future, that you're going to receive a great reward in heaven. And all they can do, he says, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. He says, fear him who can throw both body and soul, spirit into hell. That's the important thing. Because, you know, when you think about it, you cannot save your physical life on this earth anyway. We're all going to die anyway. There's all going to come a time where we're going to die physically. That's not going to be changed, you know, and say, well, I don't want to get persecuted. I don't even get killed for my faith. I want to live. You're going to die anyway. We're all going to die. But we can be weak in, that, in a fear. But with the knowledge of the truth, Jesus says, don't fear those who can just kill the body. Your body's already going to die. Fear, the, fear him who can throw both body and soul into hell. And he's going to reign in his eternal kingdom. And he said, I will reward you if you stand strong, hold to the faith for me. I will reward you greatly in the kingdom. And so he says, be my light. Shine your light in the world. A, a, a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden. It's a picture of the darkness. Our world's getting very dark, and when it's very dark, the lights are seen more. And if this homosexual bill goes through, everyone who will hold their ground will become very, very noticeable. And they'll have an opportunity to shine their light. And Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what Jesus calls us to. And this is what we need to do rather than to have weakness from within and to cave and to compromise and to betray. This is not what we need to do. We need to be on guard about that. We need to be strong against that and be ready to stand, be ready to speak and be ready to even suffer if it comes to that. Because this is what we're called to and being a follower of Jesus. And on the end, in the end, we'll be on the winning side. 
I think it's likely we're, gonna, we're seeing a, a, an era, an into an era we've never been in, where it's going to be costly to hold the truth. And may we not become like the scribes. May it really happen one compromise at a time. Moving away from the truth one step at a time to where eventually they became snakes, enemies, that Jesus said, you're worthless. You're no good salt. Just fit to be thrown out. And may God help us to remember the betrayal of the scribes and that we will stand strong when we are tested to stand for the truth when it will cost us. And it's going to start costing us more and more in the days ahead. Let's pray. Lord, you, uh, you really speak to us today with us coming to this text in light of this homosexual bill that's on the verge of becoming law. And we just thank you for how your word speaks to us. We thank you for the timeliness of your word and the strength of it. And we're called to this. We, we need to strengthen our mind to realize that we just we're not guaranteed and in this sinful world it's not going to be an easy ride it wasn't an easy ride for you lord jesus when you came and you went to the cross and for the hope set before you you endured the cross and we are christians following you help us to uh, give us your strength and help us to stand strong as your followers are true to your word and uh, be lights for you in this evil day for you are coming to judge there is a judgment coming and we need to conduct ourselves out of holy fear reverent fear of the judge of the universe who will judge all betrayals all compromises at the day of judgment so lead us, Lord, in the coming days. Help us to stand strong. Help Christians in the Congress to stand strong. Uh, just strengthen your people to be lights and to stand for the truth in the midst of coming persecution. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.